Now the good news, we are as well a really good football team. And we are full of desire. And we, we really work for our dreams. Eh? It's Alexander. Oh, no, no, he struck it brilliantly. It's still Mane, it's Salah, it must be 1-0, it is. Mane across to Salah, it's rifled in. Salah carries, Salah goes on, it's the path of Firmino. He's away, Salah's in the middle, it falls for Firmino. Mohamed Salah shrugged off, Kuko Martina wriggled through, and brilliant. Away by Mawson, Alexander Arnold. Firmino a little deeper just now. Milner into Salah. Salah's got away from Maguire and scores again. And a free kick to Liverpool. Deep in stoppage time. Wolverine looking for it. And Liverpool wins the match. Decent looking corner. couldn't think of any better way to start off the fifth season of the two Ray Gringos, but with a recap of some of the great goals, 
from the last season. What a what a campaign it was for the Reds, and uh, looking forward to another great one that we will experience here. As always, it's Phil Baki joined by Patrick Staley. Pat, what do you think? You feeling fired up after after that? Pretty epic way to to kick things off. So. Yeah, I, I think I heard Salah about a hundred times in, in, <laughs> in that clip. It feels like it. it it's, uh, I mean, it's really crazy the the uh, the impact he had in his in his first season. And uh, well, I mean, we'll we'll probably end up talking about Salah quite a bit uh, as the uh, episode progresses, just by his involvement, um, even tonight in a friendly. But first, we have to kick things off. Uh, in the proper way, the gringo way, and we've got to pick your poison. So, Pat, I will let you do the honors and and introduce your first poison of this new season. I think I've had this poison on a on a previous episode, but it's the uh, Habali Hellesbach. 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 Either either is know. acceptable, but, it, but it's potent. It's potent. It's delicious. It's it's the type of beer that I picture you loving mm-hmm. whenever you finally come to visit Mexico City. Yes, which so this, hopefully... this is my like Phil Baki beer. All right, I I mean I'm I'm a fan already. <laughs> Just uh, it's the Hellas Bach E. Touche. Yeah. Touche. That, that's the correct pronunciation. <laughs> now on. Um, no, I've uh, I well, I mean we we've talked a little bit about. Uh, when that visit will happen, it it it'll happen. The, I'm thinking this. I'm thinking this year, but we'll we'll see, or this this coming winter potentially. But we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, so I've got a couple uh, of poisons uh, as is. I, I'd say it's I don't know. Tradition might be a strong term, but um, I've got in. I found this at uh, at Specs down the road here. Now that I'm on the. Uh, on the west side again and uh <laughs> and near specs yeah uh i guess i should say like my move to com- to el paso is complete like we are we are moved in here we're still kind of getting settled but um but i'm here and for the foreseeable future so i was able to uh to hit specs and i i grabbed a couple uh and the first which seems fitting given the result of the friendly tonight is the smash and grab IPA <laughs> from uh, legal draft brewing in Arlington, Texas. So nowhere, okay. not local. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare say that Arlington is local to El Paso, but, um, but yeah, it's tough this, to be local in Texas. It, it is. It's a big state. Um, but then in honor of, um, a few of the El Paso reds, but mainly you and Brian, <laughs> I was able to to put my hands on a dogfish head 120 minute IPA no, no, we're for, not the second, the first for the second for the second half for the second half of the episode oh. for when it really gets out of hand. So, um, so yeah, we're gonna have some fun tonight. We, for those of you that don't know the potency that is dogfish <laughs> 120, it is in a in a what, like 11.6, you know, the, the true hipster beers are never 12 ounces. They're always a, a shade below. Yeah. It is, it's a bottle of wine. It's a bottle of wine, and it's so potent that I believe it was myself, um, 
maybe uh, I know Brian, Alan, maybe uh, the others that, and, and we shared it amongst the three, four, or five of us, however many were there. So that's how potent. Yeah, the the 120 is. So oh yeah. If we make it through this entire episode, I'm I'm going to be very impressed. <laughs> well, I'm starting with the smash and grab, so we'll see if we'll we'll see where uh, where the night takes us. But um, <laughs> but getting getting into the the actual football talk for this new season, um, there's been a lot of discussion about friendlies uh, and and their usefulness or you know whether whether you need to gauge the performances and friendlies in terms of how the season's actually going to go so liverpool beat city tonight two to one in i mean what i don't know that you can even classify it as a match or a glorified (laughs) training session or whatever that was um on what what was a an abysmal pitch in in new jersey um, but what can we take away from, from a game against what is a good, you know, obviously a top quality club in England, but not exactly city's first team. What do we, what do we take away from, from the performance tonight? <laughs> not exactly city's first team, second team, maybe <laughs> they maybe their third team. They rolled out, they rolled out the Academy players, but Liverpool, <laughs> Liverpool did too. So, um, I don't know. I don't really take anything from a, a team, maybe a team perspective. I like to look at the individuals and see, you know, what type of performance are are they having? Are they fitting in? You know, whatever position that they're playing, are are they kind of embodying Klopp style? And and I think we've seen that. I saw a couple people post like, you know, what what's going on with you know why is this match so intense and. The first half was intense, maybe not necessarily in a good way, um, but but you know there there were tackles flying in, and I think that's just a product of these younger players or what did we have? I think it was three, maybe three people from the eleven that that were starting in the first half. So don't get me wrong, it was a it was a stronger squad, but it, it was not anything close to what our starting eleven would be. So. You know, Robertson, Van Dyke, and Fabinho all looked a little, you know, like they were coasting. But the rest of the players were, I, I guess you can say they were putting in a shift. <laughs> but that, that's what you get, right? If you're trying to impress Klopp, so much of that is, you know, heavy metal football pressing. And, you know, that that's kind of all we saw <laughs> in the first half, right? It was just pretty sloppy play, pretty, you know, not much possession. Um, but... You know, kind of not 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 fringe players, but players that were have a little bit of something to prove, but are comfortable enough to where I don't know that that was the first half vibe that I got, and that kind of sums up that preseason so far. Is that it's not about how's the kind of team gelling or what type of tactics are we seeing, but it's more of what are the individual players doing to possess or um, um, to impress. And so, you know, especially at like center back at the wide areas where we need depth, and it's pretty crucial. But no, for for overall, it was a pretty brutal performance that first half. So, who, um, as you as you walk away from that game, who stands out? Because um, obviously, you know, Mane and Salah come on in the second half, 
And there's an instant difference in how the ball's being moved around, the pace at which it's being moved around, um, the pace at which decisions are being made on the field. Like things are happening yeah. faster than they were in the in the first half. Sane showed it too. Um, you know, mm-hmm. to give to give credit to City as well. Sane showed it as well, where Van Dyke had been playing at basically half speed, and then a guy like Sane comes on, and he's of a different caliber than you know City's kids that Van Dyke easily kind of shepherded around the around the pitch in the in the first half Sané comes on and blows past Van Dyke who's you know not really <laughs> he hasn't really seen you know a guy like that on the field up to that point so um and Mane and Salah showed it at the other end as well but um but who are the players you know who are on the fringes or maybe are pushing for teams who have actually who showed um their quality uh, in this game, is there anyone who stood out to you as kind of maybe this guy could do a job in the in the first team or maybe in the cups? I don't know. I, I Woodburn was one that we kind of kept an eye on, but in the second half, he was he was relatively quiet. Um, what I, I I was really looking at Gomez because I feel like Gomez is being put in there and especially getting and logging some heavy minutes with Van Dyke. I think that's. That's kind of Klopp eyeing out if if maybe that's the center back pairing to start the season with, you know, if Matip has, you know, has a slight knock and if Lovren, if Lovren has a little bit of extended time off from the World Cup. I think that was Gomez, Gomez's chance for today and or, or and maybe from, from Dortmund too and moving forward. But I don't know. That first half, it was so hard to really tell anything. I think Gomez, maybe he didn't necessarily impress, but he also didn't maybe do anything to kind of blow that role too. But no, the second half too, I, I really liked, <laughs> I kind of tweeted about it at this point, I'm looking for anything positive from a center back, but some of the younger guys like Phillips and Camacho. Um, and again, too, it's hard to, to, to credit these players whenever Mane and Salah came on the pitch because the, the entire pace and the entire direction of the match shifted in Liverpool's favor. So, you, you know, of course those players would, would look a little bit more promising um, but no, I've kind of had my eye on Gomez for the most part to see what he can do at center back. And I, I think Klopp does too. Yeah. I, uh, the, the two players who kind of stand out to me, uh, just in terms of, cause again, like you said, the, the pace of the match, it's kind of tough to make a lot of judgments off of, but, uh, the one player who looks kind of attuned to a higher level, uh, in terms of the youth players is, is Curtis Jones. Um, yeah, I think just, it's mainly his quality on the ball that, that where he shows just that, that little extra bit of confidence and that, and that little extra bit of whatever he tries, he can pull off and he knows where the space is. Uh, there was one, um, there was one move in particular in the, in the first half where he, uh, he took a ball down Robertson, went on an overlapping run ahead of him and it would have been easy and, and probably safe for a young player to just lay that ball off to an overlapping, um, you know, uh, left back and kind of put the onus on him to get the ball in the box. But he, he saw that Robertson was going to take that defender into the corner. So he actually shifted his weight, like he was going to make that pass and then move back inside. And that was something that kind of was yeah. reminiscent of, of a, you know, 
he who shall not be named Coutinho. <laughs> just like that that presence of mind and the just those subtle shifts of weight and the the control of the ball. Um, it was it he looks the part, and obviously uh, we always are big advocates for you know your eye test is shit. And and so it, it may very well be that, uh, you know, I watch Curtis Jones and he doesn't ever really make an impact at a higher level. But he does uh, look very, very confident on the ball for a kid who's whatever, 17, 18 years old. Oh, yeah, I saw I didn't get to see much of the Dortmund preseason match, but somebody posted a highlight clip from Jones. And I think even in the clip there, like, you know, has a little bit of essence of Phil Coutinho in him. I'm like, you know, what kind of shit are they on? And then I watched <laughs> it and his quality on the ball is so good. Even today, I think he kind of cut in and had a Coutinho shot. But um, I think even in uh, Pierce's uh, post-match ratings, he even gave him like an eight, which might, might have been a little generous, but he he definitely looks quality on the ball too, and that yeah that that's another one alongside Gomez that that I was really looking can they kind of step up because Klopp is not given <laughs> we're putting you know after the drop off from our eleven I think our midfield has more depth but after you know left wing center back and some other positions after our starting eleven it's nothing but youngsters and Klopp is not has not played youngsters aside from maybe Trent and Gomez out of necessity. So for him to impress like that has been, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully will give us some much needed depth, uh, which we, which we might discuss a little bit later, but yeah, he's look quality. So the, we've talked about the best performers and I made a second category uh, for those who did, who haven't quite impressed in this, in this preseason who are maybe on the fringes. <laughs> and that is, Who's headed to Turkey on loan? Um, and this is this could be called the Markovich category. Um, but who who in this squad just doesn't look up to really making an impact at a higher level? If not this year, then maybe next year, Lalata will be off to <laughs> will will be off to Turkey. But it, was it? Uh, it was so funny because when I saw you make that in the you know our our. Uh, very thorough preparation in our Google Doc. <laughs> right after I saw it, I saw Mignolet might be off to Turkey, like <laughs> on a sale. So maybe Mignolet, definitely Markovic. Yeah. Um, uh, who's the uh, Alan? Is he the perpetual always on loan in Germany? Yeah. So, he, so he doesn't quite make it all the way to Turkey, but no. he, he will be on loan again. Yeah, um, it's confirmed that he'll be it. I I actually just a quick aside. I'm actually I mean. If he can make an impact at Eintracht Frankfurt, that's then maybe Allen does have a have a future at Liverpool. But I don't know if he's worth discussing for the next. You know, he yeah, I don't know. He played a couple okay games, I guess, at Hertha Berlin on loan the last uh, his last season long loan. But until he gets that work permit, it's all it's all moot. I don't know what the big deal is. I came I came to Mexico. Shouldn't have had one, but I was able to weasel my way into a work permit. So, you know, I'm, I'm not starting for any national teams or making the squad. So shame on Alan for that. But <laughs> but no, I mean, I don't know. Aside from, I think maybe the uh, a big question mark of whether he stays or go on loan. And if he goes on loan, that's probably it for him. Might be Gruich. And I don't know. He You know, he, he looks pretty good at times, but he also still looks really 
really raw and he's not quite as young. <laughs> he's not quite as young as he used to be. So right. I don't know that, that Grinch might be the question mark for me in terms of maybe, you know, on those fringe of squad squad players that, that might be able to make an appearance this year. Yeah. Grinch is the one who, who I have the question mark about as well. I mean, he played, he played decently tonight, I think. Um, yeah. Limited minutes, obviously. He was on for about half an hour, I think. But uh, any he he's another one where he looks looks the part. You know, there he very much looks like that kind of um, that role where we had you know we had James Milner play a lot. We had uh, Emery Chan play a lot last year. Yeah. So he he kind of fits the bill, um, but clearly there's a disconnect. I think um, where. Klopp, I don't think he rates him all that highly, because uh, obviously if he trusts someone, he's willing to put him in there, uh, no questions asked, and he he hasn't seen those minutes. Like Vinaldum is more likely to get to get that that nod, I think, um, from Klopp in oh, those yeah. kind of versatile midfield roles. So, um, yeah. so yeah, Grujic is definitely one who I could see going back out on loan this year, and and if he does, then it's it's with an option to buy. Um, <laughs> but I don't get the uh, even I, I you know I don't like the thought of Kent and others going down to the championship because I feel like those are the players that are on the cusp to if you're going to loan them it's got to be Premier League and I think Gruch is kind of in is in that zone too it's sending him it, really anywhere else because nor you know if we send him to to Germany France Italy they probably don't get the playing time if we send him <laughs> We send them to Turkey. It's it. I don't know. They get playing time, or it's you know kind of fifty fifty, and we can't really see what they're made of. So, at least with the with the Premier League loans, we get a chance to see them, and it's a chance for them to have some type of consistency with with what we would come to expect from them. Um, so I was a little disappointed to see that from you know the rumors about younger players that could go on loan, and I know Kent already has too. So um, I was hoping to see more Premier League loans from them, um, and really just maybe even keeping them in the eleven. But if if Jones can continue to impress, then I think that kind of fills that void of maybe having a, a youngster here that could grab some minutes, but doesn't necessarily need consistent time. Uh, as much as a loan too so but yeah as far as turkey just just the usual suspects yeah and if they're heading to turkey then they might as well it might as well be a sale right we just can't get it get anybody to buy markovic (laughs) i mean he's got a goal in preseason he looks he looks way fatter than he used to be but i mean aside (laughs) from that he uh he he's got a goal and well taken um on an assist from daniel sturridge so uh, i don't know uh I, I genuinely feel. Let's just not talk about Mark. No, so, (laughs) so to to go off of what to go off of what you were saying though about the Premier League loans for for younger players, it kind of remind. I I think it's the Danny Ward problem um, to an extent, and Grich might fall into the same category. But Danny Ward goes on loan to Huddersfield in the Championship. They get promoted. Huddersfield want him back on loan but we keep him for cover at goalkeeper. He never plays, right? Yep. He could have spent a whole year in the Premier League and potentially maybe he's an option. You know, maybe he has like the greatest season 
they, you know, and keeps Huddersfield up, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they stayed up anyways, but, yeah. um, but maybe he gets that Premier League experience and, and kind of shows himself as a different player. Now, I'm not upset that we sold Danny Ward to Leicester for $12 million or however, however many <laughs> pounds. It, I mean, anything above 10 is like Michael Edwards is a, is a genius. Um, yeah, we're playing with house money. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy business like uh, for a guy who didn't see the field last season at all. Um, but his, uh, but I think Grujic kind of falls in the same category where if he's not going to play, what's the harm in loaning him back to Cardiff who had him last season for the second half of the season, loan him back there. And if he has a good season at Cardiff, take him back and, and give him another shot. Um, but you know, if he's genuinely got a shot as midfield cover, obviously keep him with the squad. But if he doesn't, just call a spade a spade and let him go back to the yeah. team that he played with in the championship that's now in the Premier League. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, uh, well, Harry Wilson, Harry Wilson will, <laughs> justice for Harry Wilson. I don't know what the guy's got to do to get a chance <laughs> to play in the Cups or something, but he's back at, he's back in Derby under Frank Lampard and, Maybe they'll, I don't know, having that guy in the team, they'll probably be favorites for promotion now, but. They, they, some of these, uh, Wilson feels like this perpetual, like, young FIFA player that you want to keep. Because you know that, you know, maybe the rating will get high enough that you consistently use them. So you keep sending them out on loan until they're 23, 24, 25. And then all of a sudden they're 28 years old and you're flogging them for five million to you know, <laughs> a second division side. So. <laughs> I no idea what he has to do. I think Manhattan Doc is the uh, is his biggest advocate and is is really upset. But no. But speaking of Manhattan Doc, did you know of his new Twitter handle? So, no. Well, yes, I did, but I chose to ignore it. Um, yeah i well because his whole his whole like laid back i'm cooler than everybody and i know more than anybody else thing just really got like (laughs) it really got annoying so as soon as he stopped you know i i was following him when he was cap arse biscuits or whatever yeah uh, and as soon as that was over, I just, I didn't have the patience to, someone was like, I found him, you know, in whatever his new one is. Captain. I think that was me. That was, <laughs> <laughs> it's like Sir Shuttlecock or something like that. <laughs> God, God knows what, God knows what. I can't, I just, I can't quit him. <laughs> so, um, all right. So. Speaking of goalkeepers, because I, I brought up Danny Ward, uh, but goalkeepers have been a hot a hot button issue, obviously, ever since the Champions League final. And um, but in the end, uh, the target was Allison, and uh, Liverpool got their man. Paid a little bit more, I think, than what they were anticipating. Um, that was a hefty price. Hefty price, but uh, but like you said, Liverpool kind of playing with house money at this point. So um, with with Allison coming in, I mean, 
you've you've had a lot to say, I think, on Twitter about about the goalkeeping <laughs> situation. So go ahead and just just give us a, a feel for how you how you kind of see this whole situation between Allison and and Loris Carius, you know, the the standing number one, the incumbent, if you will. I I, I think we are both Carius fans, and it was almost uh, almost like after Moreno had made those critical errors against Sevilla. And we just wondered, like, is there is there a way back from this? And for Moreno, he, he was kind of given a, a second life and salvaged a little bit. Um, but then Robertson swooped in and, and stole that from him. But, I mean, I don't know. I think the only the only question about Karius is and, and comparing him to Allison is, and, and do we have to say Allison or can I just say Allison? We can say, just, we my, can go. We you know, can my, go my girlfriend, my girlfriend's name is Allison just with one, <laughs> one L one S for the right. record. Right. Um, but I'm excited because now she wants, she wants a kit from, from Liverpool. So I told her I'd get a kit if she comes to a few matches this game, but anyway, so Allison, Allison, whatever we want to say, the only question mark is whether or not, you know, how quickly is Carius going to be out the door either for sale or loan and whether or not he gives up, gives up the number one, because uh, number one, the number, the number one, the number one, anyway, first point, not number one, first point about number ones is that the Allison figure was like outrageous, outrageous. Like I didn't even, I didn't think there was any way that that would get above 50 even as crazy as the market is, because the market was crazy and City signed Ederson for thirty some. So for that to for that to jump, it was almost I mean, comparatively, it was a little bit similar to the Neymar transfer. If we're if we're just kind of thinking figures and, you know, what was the big transfer before that? So I I was pretty shocked, but they pulled the trigger and it was perfect timing because of course Carries had a, a couple not even like straightforward errors, but just kind of parried shots into, in you know, into the path of another attacker, and they scored. But it's clear that there is just no threshold for any type of curious mistake, and he just does not appear to be in a state. Even even today, you know, he had a couple a couple saves that went right back to another attacker. He had a fairly weak punch that you know resulted in a shot that went over the bar. And had either of those gone in, we would have been seeing the same things that we saw after Dortmund. So I, I, I wish that players could be above that. But Carrius seems so in tuned to social media, Twitter, Instagram. I mean, he deleted a, a, a <laughs> like, I don't know, a motivational exercise video from earlier in the summer. Yeah. And then, you know, immediately after Dortmund, he posts some, I don't know, like haters message or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the kids are posting these days. Right. But just if he's that, a lot of people are doing the right thing and say, hey, it's like Lovren, just get him off social media, bench him. But, you know, we didn't have anybody else to, to bring in. <laughs> I, I swear that they just stuck that goalie or the, the kit on on a fan from the crowd. But no, I mean, I, I feel for Karius, but I, I do think, you know, I don't think any true LFC fan has done this. But, you know, those, you know, kind of the bottom feeders on Twitter that are calling for his head and saying ridiculous stuff. The other side, the good side of Twitter is right. I think Karius just... 
loan him out because you can't sell him at this time because there's no there's no value whatsoever. He's a he's a really good keeper. He's shown that, but he just needs time away time away from this Liverpool spotlight. So, you know, give him a loan, let him get a chance to go out there. But I don't know who we have after after Allison after that too. But I mean, that's kind of overshadowing the excitement that we should have for this unbelievable fee that we've spent on just an unbelievable goalkeeper from last season. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'll I'll talk just briefly because Carius, like you said, he I think a lot of the the problems that he's having now and and even perceived problems is all down to how that Champions League final went. Yeah. Um, mentally, he's he's not he's not dealing with those issues. Um, he just hasn't, he hasn't put it behind him. He's completely still, every time the ball flies at him, um, he sees, he sees fricking Bale's shot, like coming at him. Like that is, that is every time the ball flies at him. Cause last season yeah. we talk about, I mean, even in the league where he basically played half a season, he made 19 appearances. He kept 10 clean sheets. <laughs> out of and 19 in the champions league right and then he played the champions league and he kept six clean sheets and 11 appearances in the champions league against the best competition in europe he uh was making two he was averaging two saves a game um two saves per goal uh which is, i mean which is better than any liverpool keeper we've had for quite some time yeah. Um and his distribution success was 72%, which is low compared to our our new guy. Um but fairly high uh at and his average distribution length was 33 meters, so he's like distributing the ball long whatever. Um however, with all that being said, he was uh you know, Carius is he's a he's a great goalkeeper, I think. Um if his head is is right. Um but it's not. Yeah. And uh but Allison is is an elite goalkeeper. There, it, it's hard to argue uh, with a lot a lot of the numbers out there, and and I think his distribution is ultimately what separates him from a you know the good keepers to the great, where his distribution is somewhere in the eighty eight percent success. Um, it's ridiculous. It's right? crazy. He's basically yeah. a playmaker from his own box, <laughs> uh, and it, and it's wild. So, I think, um, I think right now Klopp is he, and he has to be, um, but he's ruthless. So there is no, you know, even if Carius wasn't having these problems, and there was an upgrade available, like Klopp would upgrade. Um, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's really what it comes down to, and it it there's a a conversation that we we might have a little bit later in midfield, I think as well. Um, but when there is an upgrade available at a certain position or something that gives Klopp more flexibility, then he's he's going to make that move. Now he's not the guy who's going to like make do with what he has um, anymore because he's he's shown that you know if. City are going to spend as much as they are, and um, and United are going to spend as much as they are to build, you know, the perfect the perfect team for the manager. Like Klopp realizes that that yeah. in order to compete, you know, he he's got to do the same. So 
I don't think Allison, I don't think signing him is an affront to Loris Carey as so much as it is, hey, on paper, this guy is better in this, you know, in these regards that will make us a better team. And so now it's up to Carius to, I mean, if he can somehow, you know, seize back the one at some point, he's got to be world-class and that's, that's what it should be. Like every player at Liverpool should be able to show, you know, that they deserve that spot because they're world, they're world-class, not because they deserve like sympathy from, us basically yeah yeah he can't Klopp can't be ruthless though but i love the signing of allison is so is so key because really the debate became well even before the debate between Oblak and allison it was you know what and i think even we had talked about it and i think we were being generous to Carius and saying that well maybe center back and lover is a position that we could we could strengthen the most but i i mean all along we i think we've known that after we fill the void bringing in Van Dyke at center back, um, having Fabinho as a, a true defensive midfielder that we love Hendo. Um, and, and from a distribution standpoint, he's great from a defensive and that's half of the, half of the position of defensive midfielder. It, it's not been his strongest point. Um, and then even bringing in Kaita bring to, to fuel that kind of creative box to box role. It, like I said, we were being kind to Carius and saying that center back was the position where we could have the biggest impact. And I think Allison all along was even all credit to Oblak who's probably alongside De Gea, one of the, you know, the one and two, as far as the best goalkeepers last season, Allison's the one that fills what we need. Like, you know, we're not switching out and bringing in even De Gea, like to bring a De Gea, an old block away from a defensive minded, compact sound team and put them into a fast free flowing, uh, you know, possession based role. We need a player like Allison. We need a player like Ederson and Allison's kind of like this hybrid old block Ederson goalkeeper. And that's exactly what we need. I think in terms of what the best, he was second or third in terms of best expected uh, goals allowed, um, as far as the team and as far as the goalie's concerned. And that's, that, that is where we're lacking. As good as Karius was, and he was an upgrade on Mignolet, we still were maybe breaking even, maybe a little bit above, a little bit below, in terms of letting in uh, goals that were expected. So that, that is probably the biggest position that we had left. We still might have some, some other depth positions to fill, but... As far as goalie is concerned, we've got a strong midfielder. We've got arguably the best attacking three in Europe. We're starting to have what resembles a pretty quality, you know, a, not just quality, but a great back four. So putting in a goalkeeper that that brings some stability and confidence to the to the players in front of them, um, no questions. And you know, I, a couple people barked at the feed, but aside from that, it's you know. It, it's bring up city spending the same price on Mares for a fourth, <laughs> a fourth option <laughs> off the bench for them too. So, right. I mean, yeah, like you said, Klopp, Klopp's being ruthless and you know, he's, he's treating the transfer market like he did that piece of salmon in the, <laughs> in the video. That made the rounds Just slam dunked it. God, I, I watched that video 10 times. Just love. <laughs> I, wa- I watched it literally four times, but <laughs> 
I, just the borderline inappropriateness of it just mm-hmm. just added a bit of spice to it of, of club that that drink whatever he had yeah. had to be spiked I don't know that kid might have been 10 12 years old that he was asking <laughs> it, it, so it was, he was not Hispanic either no. <laughs> was speaking Spanish to him, but. <laughs> oh and I mean Klopp, uh, Klopp talking to the kid from Knoxville Tennessee and not knowing the difference between Nashville and Knoxville. <laughs> Just glossing he over it. He off pretty well, too. He, right? he did. He's like, Nashville? No, Knoxville. Oh, no. And they just kept going. And then just, oh, you go to school? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, no. So I I look forward to the, to the first uh, Allison assist of the season. Um, just a route one. And they can call it long ball. They can call it hoof, whatever. But the first time that Allison puts one on a plate and Mane smashes it into the top corner, then... <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I think we'll we'll all be happy with the with the signing long term. It's it, he's he's young, fits the profile, and and like you said, signing a De Gea. Look at De Gea with Spain versus De Gea with United. Yeah, United packed the box. That's what you get. Yeah, <laughs> That's what you and get, yeah. De Gea with Spain was average. Um, De Gea at United is fantastic, and so I think that's what a lot of people and we talked about this. I think. Um, you know, on Twitter or wherever, but uh, but Oblak coming from an Atletico to a, to a Liverpool would be a culture shock uh, yeah. of the highest order because that is you're going from an organized you know defensive team that's very structured to a team that thrives basically on on chaos, and you just have to be <laughs> that guy. Like we we said it when Carius came up big towards the end of the season. Um, in the Premier League, we said it on an episode that, you know, the keeper that we're looking for is the guy who can make those one or two, like, crazy saves yeah. every game. Because we're not going to give up that many chances. Our, our defense is pretty good. We don't allow that many shots. But when it comes, we just need you to stop it. That's uh, mm-hmm. And that's, I I think, Allison fits, fits that pretty well. And uh, let's face it, our defense is definitely better than Roma's. Um, so <laughs> I think he'll, he'll benefit a little bit from having Ver- Verge and, um, and company in front of him. Yeah. Well, you, you had the best, the best post that, I mean, we're not even taking time out to talk about the quality that was flying out during the world cup, but the best Allison post I've seen was the one where you were describing the goals that we scored against Roma. Yeah. And just like, you know, just one-on-ones, defensive errors leading to goals too. And that's and that's so much of it. You could still, he could still give up five goals. That's okay. The biggest thing are, are you keeping out some of those goals? Right. And that's, that, that's what he had last even, season, even from a Roma team that was not as you said, defensively sound, let alone defensively minded, um, a very attacking base squad. So it's good that even within that, he had so many like kind of difference makers in terms of saves last season. I mean, just in terms of overall goals, I don't know whether or not they led to wins or draws, but, but still that's something that again, even with Carius at his best last season, we were still kind of breaking even. So it's almost like adding a, a adding another goal threat, except in reverse, right? We're we're adding somebody that can 
keep those out on the opposite end. And that that's what this team needs. Like you said, if there's chaos that, that we're thriving on, that also means that, like, I, I think of that 4-3 win against City where we're, you know, just clenching, clenching our butt cheeks, hoping that they don't, they don't score that fourth. But <laughs> I mean, that's the difference, man. You know, one or two goals, not just to, not just to get a result, but also to bring stability. I think that that's what you pay, you know, sixty million pounds for. Right. So speaking of attacking options, adding attacking options at the front of what is one of the most potent attacks as you said, in Europe. Um, One player who has definitely impressed in the preseason so far is a player who has been around for quite some time but has spent so much time injured that we haven't been able to enjoy his talents, and that's Daniel Sturridge. Adam Lallana. (laughs) (laughs) Damn you. No. uh, So so Daniel Sturridge um, kind of reasserting himself, uh, showing what he can bring to the team, um, in these preseason games. And again, looking at it from an, you know, an individual perspective and not, not so much how he fits into that, you know, attacking line of, I think it was against Dortmund, the, you know, the front three was Ojo, uh, Sturridge and, uh, Jones. (laughs) And then, and then Solanke, yeah, Solanke came (laughs) on, on the left wing. Um, so with those, um, but watching watching his footwork and watching uh, the way he's even closing players down, pressing you know that uh, that side of his game, Daniel Sturridge looks like our best option when we want that that extra attacker. So we saw it at uh, at the end of the season in the game against Brighton. It was a must win. We knew Brighton would would most likely sit deep. Uh, and we ended up playing kind of a variation of a four-two-three-one um, with Solanke w- in with the front three, um, yeah. and you know Firmino, Mane, and Salah behind him. And that movement caused Brighton a lot of problems, despite the fact that they were you know willing they were going to play defensively. We knew they were going to sit back because they're you know they're not looking to get embarrassed on the final day. They did um, because of that quality. But if you in, insert that, if you insert Daniel Sturridge into that, into that front line with a two-man midfield, is that is that our best option uh, out of our strikers when we've when we really need to break a team down? I, I don't know. I'm I'm confused by the. I know exactly what you're asking, but I feel like I feel like it's a trap, and I got excited about <laughs> I got excited about Sturridge. I think. What we need to make clear is that our in our typical setup of four three three, there there's no argument to say as much as I love Sturridge and I probably love him as much as anybody, there's no argument to say that Sturridge is our best nine, because it's it, it's been clear throughout all of last season and and probably even before it that it's that it's Bobby Firmino Bobby Dazzler. Right. So he's also Brazil's best nine, but that's he, like. Uh, but, <laughs> we know that we know we, that we didn't we have that, that argument in time. Any, anybody that's listening to this <laughs> podcast knows that. I don't know. I don't. We'll have to check how many listeners we have in Brazil. But great piece on Firmino, by the way, too. So check it out. And for the listeners, if you haven't seen it, Baki's uh, piece on Firmino's up, upbringing. But I, I don't know. I, I just don't. 
I, I don't even like talking about it with Sturge because he went down to fix his tape today. <laughs> and I, I literally – so in Mexico City, um, at Song for DS, yeah. uh, it's the epitome of this. They love sending voice text messages. They love copying tweets and then – uh, I'm sorry, copying messages so that you know exactly what they're responding to. Uh, <laughs> I refuse to do any of that. But – my stream was behind and I get a voice text from him that says like Sturridge is down, Sturridge is down. And I saw the exact same thing on Twitter and <laughs> you know, he's fixing his tape or whatever. But, uh, and that's why we don't even not need to talk about Sturridge's quality, how good he looks because he has always, he's always been like that. I think the one thing, and he's even made a point of expressing this, I don't know if it was to LFC TV or media or whether it was on Instagram or who knows what, but just not just looking as good as he always has, but, and he's always been a great personality, but now also saying the right things, you know, we, we, it's lazy to say that Sturridge, you know, does a press. He's not a part of Klopp's side when Sturridge himself will come out and say, you know, I'm, that hasn't been my style. I want to play on the shoulder. I want to, you know, try to break, and that was what made him so good when partnering with Suarez. And even when Suarez wasn't in that squad, when, every, when he was playing under Rodgers. So that's, that's, I think, what could maybe shift this a little bit more, where if we want to talk about a 4-2-3-1, maybe with you know, the Mane, Firmino, Salah 3 push back a little bit and, and Sturridge up there um, as a more attacking-minded attacking player, then it, then it has to be. It's got to be a little bit more of maybe not on the wing, or I'm sorry, on the shoulder, but as part of this high-pressing unit um, because the chances are it won't end up so much as a 4-2-3-1, but probably more of a 4-2-2-2. And if you don't have a Firmino or Sturridge dropping back in those cases, then you have this huge gap in the attacking third into the midfield where teams can just exploit that too. So that's... That's what I'm trying to look for from Sturge. Like I said, I didn't get to see too much of the, his performance against Dortmund. Didn't really have a chance to show it against City today, just the way that first half unfolded. But I'm, the sky's the limit. If Sturge is fit, we know that. But that's always the question if he's fit and how long he stays fit and whether he plays five minutes or 2,000 minutes. You know, It's, it's a toss-up. But I'm still waiting for that Van Persie season from Sturridge where he just stays healthy and he helps. Well, you know, Van Persie did it for United, but um, stays healthy and helps, helps them do a championship. That's the type of impact that Sturridge can have, not necessarily even in the starting 11, but to soften the blow from that drop off from Firmino to Solanke. So the, the one name that you left out in that, in that, description was was divakarigi um because you went straight to solanke so i i think <laughs> i think klopp not putting Origi on at all in the city game today i think it i think it's <laughs> i think it spoke Gats, volumes and gatsby agrees <laughs> i he i i think Origi um he he just he just hasn't looked he just hasn't looked like the player that that you know got so many minutes in that 15 yeah. 16 season um he just i don't know he he doesn't he doesn't look 
doesn't look the same. And I don't know if it's because of the structure of the team um, and that he doesn't quite fit in uh, with, you know, once Klopp got his his side fully implemented, I don't know that Origi is the, the type of striker that he, you know, he would want um, yeah. day in and day out. Because obviously, you know, like we said, the the best number nine we have is Firmino, and and it's be, it's so much because of what he does off of the ball um, that he's Klopp's you know first choice, uh, and obviously he's he's brilliant on the ball, but so much of what he does off the ball is what is what uh, makes yeah. him so appealing to a Klopp side. So going into the season. Uh, you know, assuming and and knock on wood that that Sturridge does remain healthy, do you think do you think Sturridge does get uh, a serious um, shot in the in the team um, in in some of these games where we're playing, say, you know, uh, a Brighton or a you know someone who's gonna who's gonna pack it in, you know. Uh, obviously some of these newly promoted teams are looking to attack because Fulham just signed fucking Andre Sherla. So, (laughs) (laughs) so maybe not them. Yeah. Maybe not them and wolves, but maybe, uh, I don't know. (laughs) But the lingering teams from last season. Right. Yeah. The, the Brightons, the Huddersfields, the, the teams that we need to break down, uh, the Southamptons, you know, the, um, those, uh, those type of clubs, uh, you think Sturridge is a, is a legitimate, uh, choice in the first team i i was thinking about this today i feel like i can provide some pretty decent analysis of what has happened but i am terrible at making predictions so hopefully my my prediction is absolutely wrong but i i i still don't see it i what i think Klopp thinks and that's probably why my predictions are so terrible is because i'm trying to predict what people think but what i think Klopp thinks is that Sturridge, if he's fit, that's our that's our backup. That's a late impact sub. That's if if Firmino's not in the starting lineup, if it's rotation, if if it's whatever, um, that's kind of our saving grace, right? Because Origi just doesn't cut it, and if we can get a figure quoted for him at twenty seven million, is absolutely outrageous. But so anyway. But that, I think, Klopp is looking to, you know, I, I, I overstepped instead of Sturridge is healthy, then we don't need a Fakir in the lineup. That doesn't address our attacking midfield need, but I think part of the draw of Fakir is his his potential to take up a more advanced kind of hybrid attacking mid-nine role. Um, and so that's what I see for Sturridge. I see him as, I don't know, as an impact sub. And I, I don't see us trying to change or tweak a lineup um, to fit Sturridge into it. But I do think that Klopp is kind of putting some faith in him to be healthy, to be a consistent impact player off the bench, or if Firmino is not available. Yeah, that's what I, I think. I mean, with all with all that being said, I think when when it comes down to it and – you ask Klopp what his first team is that that four three three that was so incredibly potent throughout all of last season is going to be his go to. There, there's going to be, uh, I think, a, a, it's going to be very special circumstances where he where he strays from that. What I will say yeah. is that 
with the depth we now have in midfield, and that's even, you know, understanding the, the Oxlade-Chamberlain, uh, you know, his incredibly unfortunate absence from the team because, um, yeah, yeah it, and it is, it's a real blow to the player and, and to the club, obviously, because um, he was such a, a revelation towards the second half of last season. Um, but the versatility that we now have in midfield, I think it does give Klopp the ability to play a more attacking lineup if he wants. Uh, yeah. like two man, a two-man midfield is much more feasible now than it was, I think, because it's not that it's not far outside the realm of of imagination to you know to see a Keita Henderson or a Keita Fabinho um, midfield with the attackers in front of them. Yeah, but I do think, especially in big games and and in in games where you know, Klopp wants that consistency. I think he's most comfortable uh, with our, you know, the front three that that tore everyone in Europe to shreds um, and uh, and a three-man midfield, especially with, with some of the new um, pieces that have been added. So, yeah. This this next, so you, you did say you overstepped by saying we don't need Fakir, but, <laughs> um, I mean, the Fakir deal is so steeped in like bluster and all kinds of like craziness that God only knows, like I'm half expecting him to show up at Melwood the last, you know, on, on deadline day, like, um, <laughs> half dressed. And, and it, I was going to, and he's already been there for like three weeks yeah. and, just, and it was never announced. Yeah. Um, so who knows, but, um, with, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up in, or, you know, roll it all up into this next uh this next piece but this this transfer window it's obviously been great so far there's the the business that that liverpool has done is no one can really argue uh with a lot of the business they've identified their targets they've got them um you know with fakir maybe being the one exception but it's you know it's due to a medical issue and we can all see why you know with oxlade chamberlain's absence we can all see why why you would hesitate um, if you've identified a medical issue, but but with with all of the business that they've done, you know, obviously Allison being the biggest move, but um, but Shakiri a, a potentially shrewd piece of business. We haven't even talked about about the the thick Ronaldo um, <laughs> two C's. Two C's. <laughs> um, but with the business that's been done, what do we still? need in this transfer window what what areas of the team are you still kind of kind of nervous about going into this new season as far i don't know i think we're getting greedy now if there's if there's a need the only kind of gray area that we may have would be like a fakir an attacking minded midfielder but we do have more creativity in Kaita, but I think to put all of that on his shoulders um, and maybe a more advanced Hendo is, is, as we know, a more creative Hendo. Um, but that's putting a lot of pressure on them to, you know, create create from passing, I think. I think we've got Kaita that can do that. He um, can create off the dribble. I don't think Hendo can, but... That, that'll really come down to it. If Hendo has the type of range and creativity in a more box-to-box role, then then I think he'd be in good shape. 
I, I can't point to that. You can't add a Kaita and a Fabinho and say that we still have a need in the midfield because we added two world-class players in a three-man midfield. So I, I, it's been an incredible transfer window. I can't say that there's any, aside from looking at opportunities for depth, because we just know that this is a, you know, a, a, a heavy pressing team. It's a heavy load and a heavy work rate on players. So having somebody there like uh, Shakiri is perfect. Is there anybody that can fill that on the left? Um, also at center back or a little bit of question mark, or is a little bit of a question mark too. I mean, no, that that's hopefully what we've got Gomez for. That's hopefully what we've got some of the other players for. Um, but to win the Premier League, you need a little bit of luck when it comes to when it comes to fitness. So it's hard to plan your transfer strategy around that. Yeah, and I I think uh, when you when you look at at what we still need, we're talking about competing on all fronts. Like when yeah. uh, when we're talking about the depth, we're talking about being able to win like potentially multiple multiple competitions um so competing in the league competing in you know the domestic cups competing in europe um and with all of those matches obviously this past year we didn't we didn't uh you know perform well in the domestic cups uh so our runs were fairly short which kind of allowed us to focus on europe focus on the league um and we maybe had a, a deep enough squad to you know to do well, I say deep enough. We really played played the exact same squad in Europe and and the league um, come the second half of the season. But the I think um, when we're talking about what we need, and when we added those two players to our three man midfield, we gave ourselves quite a bit of flexibility to yeah, exactly to game plan a little bit more and and Klopp to be able to tailor his squads for an, for the opponent. And I, I think that's where it, I think that's where it makes the biggest difference now um, is uh, if, you know, Liverpool can add Fakir, I think it not only becomes depth for Firmino, but also versatility in that midfield where if it is someone that's really going to sit deep and you can play a four, three, three, that's Fakir, Keita and, and Hendo, you know, um, that is terrifying. devastating, <laughs> that absolutely is terrifying. crazy. Yeah. Um, and and then in you know against a team that you want to play, that you want to have a little bit more control. If you're able to you know deploy a Keita Hendo Fabinho, then it that's obviously you know um, it's quite a luxury. The problem obviously being that you have players like Vinaldum who's who can still be very useful, uh, Milner who can still be very useful, and now those guys aren't playing and and are probably, you know, looking to get minutes uh, where they can. So, you know, are they only playing in the Cups, whatever. Um, but I think those those two signings, uh, when we talk about, you know, everyone, those are obviously excited people the most, but I think it's for good reason because Keita and Fabinho have really changed um, kind of the the makeup of that, of that midfield three that will – ultimately allow the front three to be a, you know, as good as they can. So, so, yeah. uh, so when we talk about the biggest impact, I think, I personally think it's going to be baby Keith or you think so? <laughs> Nabi Keita. 
Um, but I think it, I think it's because, because Fabinho is going to like give that, that freedom. And, and I say he's giving freedom to multiple players, um, because if he allows, you know, Henderson to play in a, in more of a, you know, not box to box, cause that's more of Keita, but in a more of a free roaming Kind yeah, of, kind of I role. think that's the best way to describe it. Rather than as a six, you know, if Fabinho's playing a pure six um, or, you know, a defensive midfielder that we've been crying out for so long for, um, then it just frees up Henderson to do more um, more running, more pressing, um, and and less worrying about providing cover for the back four. So those those two signings are, are huge. Um and I don't think uh, I don't think anyone can really can really argue with that. And then the uh, you know the Shakiri. Obviously, obviously, we can argue with it. I, I think it's <laughs> I, I said I think it's going to be when we look at the pitch, a defensive midfielder. If they're doing their job, then I don't. There's really only almost like with um, um, oh my god, the French player, Conte. <laughs> well, the hell's box getting to me. The hell's box. Um, like, Conte is one of the few defensive midfielders that just kind of wow you. Um, so I think in terms of playing style, Kaita is going to be the one that just blows us away this season. But in terms of, I think, impact, like, you know, pushing, persuading masters in one direction or the other – I, 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 I'm going to lean towards Allison, but like I said, I'm shit with predictions. So, you know, probably, probably spot on. No, I, I, I think, I think Allison, obviously if he, if he outperforms his, you know, the expected goals, um, then it, it could be very easy to, to point to that and say, yeah, like, look at the impact he's had. Um, so uh, West Ham coming in a couple of weeks. Hopefully we'll, hopefully we'll talk, uh, again before, before that game, like kind of preview it. Um, An early Sunday match too, right? Yeah. Just the absolute worst first match. I, uh, I've actually, because it's a, I think it's a 6am on a Sunday. That's right. I think it's seven our time. Yeah. Yeah, 6am on a Sunday. So I've, uh, I've volunteered to, to have the, uh, have the lads over, Ooh. show them the Quality game, make some, make some breakfast. Um, Cause uh, them, that's just a uh, I, I might try to do the sal the sal taco move. Um, <laughs> some bacon uh, breakfast tacos. Um, but oh, last last question, last Liverpool theme question. I'll ask. Um, Kit for seventeen eighteen. Oh, it's got it's got to be purple or eighteen nineteen. Eighteen nineteen. Sorry, I, what year the, is it? The home <laughs> years. The eighteen nineteen look better live and on the pitch than I than I thought they would. I thought they were going to turn out to be some weird, weird like kind of brightish red, but they're like they're they're like a heavy red. They are. But I. I gotta go purple. I'm all in on purple. I just I, I can't decide whether I want it to be Kaito or Firmino. So So I I just decided that I was getting the purple as well. Cause Ooh. I had a home from last year. 
Um, and but my decision <laughs> is between Keita and Mane because oh. I don't have a Mane. I've got I had to go two Firminos in a row because he changed numbers. But now that Mane's the ten, it's true dedication. That's uh, well. I mean, Firmino went from eleven. I had the the white eleven, and then I went for the the home nine. Yeah, for this last season. I was going to be all about supporting Firmino because he deserves it. But when I saw some of the pictures of Kaito with the just that glowing eight on the back of his kit, I was like, ooh. So I don't know. I'm still I'm still undecided. Uh, last time I put it up to Twitter, they voted for the purple, purple uh, Firmino. But the other choice was a white, the white and gray Kaita, so I'm I'm gonna probably put it back up there to the the two Reg Ringo followers on Twitter, whether it should be purple Kaita, purple Firmino, and that's but I, like, I know which direction I want to lean towards. But so, what direction is that? <laughs> oh, Kaita, in the eight, in the eight. I need another. No, eight. that's what I I. It's tough because I. Oh, you just want to know so that you don't order the purple. I can't have the same one. Like that's no, yeah. But the problem, the problem is that I have been, I've been a a Nabi Keita fan for a long time, and I, I say a long time by like two seasons ago when he started playing for Leipzig. <laughs> I thought, man, this guy is really good. Um, so I, I'm really excited. I and I think it, when you see him in the, when you've seen him in the preseason, he's been. He's been great. It's, yeah, it, it's he's out of this world. Um, but, but if you get dibs on every uh, any German player or, or player that comes from the Bundesliga, you're automatically going to have dibs on because you you follow that almost as really. I'm not saying. So I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying I get dibs. I I I really want a Mane okay. shirt, so I'm not. I'm not. Uh, okay. I don't have a Mane shirt yet, so I'm not. I would not be upset with uh, with a. Absolutely. Asadio, with the IO being a ten. Well, we can. <laughs> I would. I would be a bold move to just have Saad and then just ten. ten. <laughs> so that, that's next level stuff right there. That's like. I don't even know, but no. We'll before anything is a fit. We'll we'll need to coordinate this. We'll. I'll at <laughs> least put mine in the hands of of Twitter and whoever the, hopefully. 21 voters are as opposed to I think one time I had 20 and it just <laughs> split it 50 dead 50. even <laughs> well, what's the point what's the point guys so no we'll, we'll put it I'll, I'll at least put mine to Twitter so that you have you have a little bit of heads up and there's no two red ringo two red ringo two red ringo's controversy <laughs> fair enough um the uh the the last thing I want to talk as we as we kind of transition, um, you uh, you had added to the to the bottom of the outline here. I think what w- what went down in El Paso. True, true. Um, so I uh, had the had the privilege today to to be at Southwest University Park um, in in El Paso. Uh, we we were in the West Star Bank Club, which I think you're Ooh. very familiar with. You actually uh, you had us as as guests, I think, uh, once in the, in the 
in the bank. We knew we knew people back once upon a time in El yeah. Paso. It's so nice. Like that place is ridiculous. It's very nice. Did you have the tenders? At least tell me they had. No, they didn't have they anything something. up and running. They didn't have the bar. The only criticism of El Paso USL, which I wish I had an actual name to say, uh, in that, <laughs> um, but. The, the only criticism I'll have of, of that organization, which is a brilliant organization run by a lot of really good people, um, yeah. but uh, they did not have the bar <laughs> open. I mean, it was a 12.30 event. I, that's an affront <laughs> to the two Red Gringos. I, <laughs> they didn't even well, have the bar open, <laughs> let alone the kitchen. So, um, no. So, uh, we were able to, to show up there. It was, it was a... Uh, they were putting on a, you know, it was an announcement. They had it open to some of the season ticket holders and then, uh, you know, media types. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, when we, when I showed up, I actually ran into, uh, Dave who you'll remember from, uh, when like our early days, LFC Dave, LFC Dave. Yeah. He was there. So What's I ran into to? him. Um, tried adding him on LinkedIn. He didn't accept it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought that was just like a blanket thing. Like you just accept everybody. Side note. Side note. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. Wow. Maybe we didn't click like I thought we did. But well, no, well, Dave's a good guy. Yeah. What was he doing there? I thought he was like a uh, real estate. Maybe and they're all. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was there and. Then he bounced like immediately, so I only talked to him for like a little while about about Liverpool. But um, he was uh, he was he not to dime Dave out, but he did say like I don't know with all these midfield signings, I think Henderson should be nervous. And I was like, well, LFC Twitter doesn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the. Uh, yeah, the announcement as soon as as soon as they set things out, they had uh you know they had a table. As I'm looking at the the front, they've got a podium in the middle. On the left hand side, they've got seats for the like business general like general manager of business operations for Mountain Star Sports. Okay, they've got a seat for Alan, uh, who who was kind enough to come on on our humble program the president yes. of Mountain Star Sports, and then it's like the podium in the middle, and then they had a seat without a name tag. And I'm like, all right, well, obviously, they're going to announce a guy who's going to sit in that chair because he doesn't have a name tag. Um, so they announced the head coach for, for El Paso USL, who's uh, Mark Lowry. Mark Lowry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't be Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wow. uh, I just wanted to say it once on this episode, so I got that out of the way. Yeah. So Mark, uh, Mark, he is, and this is gonna, this is gonna, this is gonna really upset you, but he's from Birmingham, England, and he is an Aston Villa supporter. <laughs> oh, I, it was him. It was. Him. It was. It was him. He's thirty years old, but yeah, it was. He was in makeup as like this 52 year old (laughs) (laughs) villa supporter no he um so yeah he's from there but he and he had a like brief playing career in like the lower leagues of of england but he uh he's managing now uh 
he's got he's got all kinds of he he did all his like you know licensing for managing while he was in England um cuz it's uh it's crazy once you get to the US so yeah. he uh he managed most recently or you know he got his his shot when uh Fox commentator Tony Miola from the World Cup uh, <laughs> was uh when he left Jacksonville Armada as the as the manager uh, in the NASL, um, it was Mark who took over Jacksonville uh, are kind of in limbo because of the whole, you know, I won't go into it, but NASL have like an ongoing lawsuit with, you know, U- U.S. soccer and, and that whole thing. So anyways, uh, they're not, you know, playing at a professional level right now. So El Paso poached him um, mm-hmm. from the, lower leagues uh right now so really good signing guy who's got experience at at the pro level and um he's bilingual which is which is obviously big um wait he's from birmingham and he's bilingual yeah he speaks spanish fluently um he was doing interviews in spanish after the uh after the announcement which was pretty impressive i thought and uh talked a lot about you know he saw the the passion that that El Paso has for football. I don't know how he saw that, but um, you know, in his like brief visit, but uh, he I was, heard it on the two red gringos. Yeah, exactly. And I was yeah. I was able to talk to uh, to Alan afterwards, um, just briefly. I didn't I didn't get like sound bites or anything like that, but uh, but I talked to him, and um, you know, he he. I, I asked him about because he's you know obviously the president of the whole organization. So I asked him how different it was, you know, running a kind of independent like soccer organization versus minor league baseball, which is you know everything is top down. So uh, yeah, yeah, he was he was joking that uh, he's like we're kind of learning as we go, and and uh, this is. The first step is they found a guy who can identify some talent and and hopefully bring in a winning squad to the borderlands. So yeah, I don't think number one you and number two the El Paso USL. We don't have the name because I don't think you guys as a collective group are pressing Allen and them hard enough. I think I need to swoop in, feed him feed him a couple shots. <laughs> You know, maybe maybe bring some some local mezcal <laughs> yeah. and pry and pry that name from them. Because when when you describe the scenario, what I thought was going to happen was that there is an empty seat, no name. They would put the name of the club in front of it, and then a mascot no. would no. walk out. You know, no. no. Hopefully, they had to change a heart, and it's a chupacabra that walks out. But, <laughs> you know, I uh, their own. I I talk to Alan about it but I mean if I'm being if I'm being honest and this is like obviously no disrespect to anyone but if I'm if I'm a fan of a team and the first two big announcements that they make are a pretty big name player Omar Salgado um, mm-hmm. and a manager then I know that the organization at least has their mind in the right place because they're not worried about the marketing. <laughs> they're not worried about the branding. They're worried about putting out like a winning product. Um, Cause obviously if they were out here and all they were doing was putting out, you know, new logos and t-shirts and all that stuff, then, you know, where's their head at? Is it in the right place? They haven't signed a player. They haven't, they haven't, yeah. you know, 
hired a coach yet. Uh, so I, I think ultimately, again, like I think they've got their priorities straight. And we talked about it when we talked to Alan. You know, they, they, they know what they're doing. Um, yeah. And, uh, and while it, it's kind of frustrating not to have a name for the team, I think at the end of the day, everyone's going to be happy with the, with the product they put out eventually. And, uh, beginning of next season will be, will be a lot of fun. So as long as they have a pitch, that's better than what we saw tonight. And outside of the pitch, as long as there's dipping dots, I mean, I don't know, locomotives, whatever they want to call them. I'm okay. As long as there are dipping dots out there. That's really my, that's really my, my big, uh, my big sticking point. Locomotive El Paso has been uh, in my brief survey of the like, 20 something people I've talked to between the world cup watch parties and, um, and then these type of events, it's locomotive is what, what the people want. They want, is it, they want it to be locomotive El Paso, like, like Russian style, like locomotive Moscow. Or are they more geared towards like, we can call ourselves like the locos. That's that's a big motivation behind it. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of like when you when you name your child one thing, but really want to call them something else. That yeah. that's kind of the vibe I get from the from the locos. But well, and that's mainly. I mean, the driving force behind it all is Ponchi, as you said. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one who wants to be the locos. Obviously, I, right. I thought you were going to say like you know market research. You know, you were taking <laughs> polls of everybody. No. But no, you just Ponchi Herrera. Just call, he's call the Ponchi, one. Six drinks in and <laughs> yeah. screaming about locos. Yeah, he's that, had that, eight Heinekens and he's ready to be the locos. That's oh, I'm so glad you brought up Heineken because <laughs> the last point I want to make. Okay, not just Heineken in general, but one of my favorite things about Heineken or beer sponsored preseason events is that we can't give the man of the match to anybody <laughs> under 21. I, I don't know why. I just love that. I just love that. So that's, that's my two cents. Christian, Christian Pulisic denied man of the match <laughs> award <laughs> because of his age. Because he's underage. <laughs> that is, that is pretty amazing. Um, so we're, we're back. I'd say better than ever. I mean, it's like I don't a know. fine, we don't really drink wine, but maybe like a an aged mezcal. Yeah, like a like a. To be honest, I don't really know that much about mezcal still. So no, may, you seem like you've better. you've become pretty like well versed in mezcal. Well, well drunk. I think. <laughs> There's no good it, way to become. I don't know. You like. I mean, if you're drinking mezcal, like there's really only one, one outcome. Yeah, but I mean, after a certain point, you can't read what's on the bottle, so and then you forget it all anyway. So that's that's been my problem so far. But no, I think I think I think we're spot on. We're we're like a stinky cheese. We're we're aging quite well. Yeah, and I mean, we're in preseason form, so any issues we can just chalk it up to that, and uh, we'll be we'll be fit and firing for the uh, yeah for the start of the actual season in a couple of weeks. I mean, individually, I think I'm impressed, but you know, as a unit, we still, <laughs> our link up play still got a ways to go, <laughs> but, uh, for the two red gringos, uh, well, check us out 
at Two Ray Gringos and TwoRayGringos.com. Uh, the article that Pat mentioned earlier, it's written by a brilliant young writer um, that we've <laughs> recruited. That is me. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've, uh, we, we're doing, doing big things this season. Um, and hopefully Liverpool will be doing big things this season. And uh, per your request... Mm. There is only one way to get out of this episode. <laughs> Shout out to the greatest tweet of all time. Oh shit, shake your ass, my movie like a gypsy. Stop, all back it up now, let me see your hips. Oh shit, shake your ass, my movie like a gypsy. Stop, all back it up now, let me see your hips. Now top it down. This is uh, savage. With the hit swing. Before Savage was a thing. Before 21 Savage, there was Savage. And uh, if if you guys remember the Sweden-England uh, quarterfinal, then this is the song for you. <laughs> and if you've seen the music video, it's like a poor man's... Poor man's Jay-Z, Pharrell, house party. White person shows up to crash it eventually. And, you know, just, just the usual early 2000s stuff. Yeah, obviously. Oh, man. This is a classic. Well, I think uh, this is as good a stop as any. Um, This has been the Two Red Gringos. And, uh, yeah, it's been Phil Bakke and Pat Staley. And uh, I think with that, it's time to say... (laughs) It's time to say adios. I was gonna so fade it out, but like it refuses to quit. No, he <laughs> much like that ass. It's like a combination of because like it's a catchy song, but it's like if Mystical made a catchy song. Yeah, or like Ja Rule. I, that, it is. That's a good one. Mystical mis- mixed with. I don't know something. It's like the hooks of, of Young Jeezy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about Young Jeezy. Okay, it's like the hooks of Big Timers uh, mixed with Mystical. I think so. I, th- I think Manny Fresh might be somewhere. Okay. Somewhere yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on this track, I was. <laughs> I was. Uh, are you are you aware of the old school station in El Paso that only plays like? 
it's like 93.5 or something like that. And it literally only plays like, like 90s and 2000s, like hip hop and R&B. It's, I knew there was one in Tucson, dude. But it's, I was a pretty avid radio, radio listener, dude. It's off in the El charts, Paso, and I'm not, I'm not aware of that one. I think, it, I think it's new because I don't, I don't remember it from the last time around. It, it's, I mean, it's world class. <laughs> fly, maybe fly is the right word, depending on. I don't know. Yeah, maybe fly. I'll allow fly. Uh, no, I, I retract. I retract fly. <laughs> I retract fly. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's 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 pretty good. I heard Chameleon Air the other day, and I was freaking oh. out. I don't know if you've ever heard one Dan Staley, aka Darby Daniels, aka Four Four Spew, <laughs> does a an opera version of Chameleon Air's. Riding dirty, rolling, riding dirty, right? Yeah, dirty. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. So that exists. Darbo. That exists, that exists somewhere in the world. I don't think we ever talked about the fact that I I met up with Dan in uh in Chicago. So. Oh yeah, what uh what brewery did you guys go to? We uh it was Ballast Point. So. Oh. Not yeah. really, not really a Chicago. Chicago is like becoming the place where breweries that aren't from Chicago go to like set up tap rooms because yeah. Lagunitas is from California, but they say they're from Chicago now just because they have like a tap room in Chicago. And then Ballast Point's the same, same thing. They're, they're from San Diego. Well, think about what all you have to do in Chicago to please people is to give them beer, preferably, preferably good beer. Cause you'll, you'll find some beer snobs. True. But then just lay out some cheese curds next yeah. to them. And, and you're like going to have a, a pretzel. place packed every single day. Yeah, just, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you know how pretzels go with us. <laughs> Exhibit yeah, A I mean, and B. <laughs> there's no fuss, you know. You open in, you know, you try to open up a place in Manhattan and L.A. and you've got to deal with. I, I, I don't even know what I don't know. I, I don't live that life, but you know, pretzels, cheese curds. And good beers. It's all I need. It's all the two ring ring. It's all Chicago needs. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Me and uh, me and Erica were in Chicago and then New York, and you know Chicago very, like you said, you know no fuss or whatever. And then New York, I'm walking through the West Village, walk past a restaurant, and there's uh there's Judd Apatow and Leslie Mann eating dinner at an Italian place. No big deal. I don't think I've ever had a celebrity sighting. That was as often a, as that I've was been a, in that New was York. A, that was the first one that I've had where that's, we walked past and good. we were like, is that? It is. And it Just, was. It was weird. It was really weird. It was both of them, which, you know, for the amount of times, like, like I know her <laughs> as other people's wives in movies, you know? Yeah. Like Paul Rudd's wife. Yeah. You know? Like Paul Rudd's. Yeah, that's, that's Paul Rudd's wife. <laughs> And I think Judd Apatow, I think he's okay with that. <laughs> he like, has to be. He casts him so much. Like, what's Judd Apatow doing out with Paul Rudd's wife? <laughs> uh, pretty good. I'm well, jealous of that celebrity sighting. I, I don't think I've had one in New York. Uh, I mean, and that was at, that was at the height of my, uh, you know, I was really riding a wave of all the World Cup memes I've made, so... Yeah, that was. That, we're gonna look back 
<laughs> whenever Twitter is shutting down, and we're we're gonna have to enshrine the the tweets that were put out during that time. I'll be wa- I'll be watching. The- I'll be watching like the twenty forty two World Cup with my grandchildren, and I'll be like, gather round, like look at this. <laughs> Look at what I was tweeting. A digital scrapbook of (laughs) of old tweets. Oh, man. Good times. Anyways, we've gone fully off the rails now, but I blame the, uh, I blame the 120, so. Yeah, I need to go. Oh, no, I'm out of, I had both, both of my hella spockies, so. (laughs) Well, what's, what's, what's next? I I mistakenly, oh, I mistakenly purchased uh Modelo thinking it was the their amber beer but it said like purita or something whatever the word is for wheat which uh, I couldn't remember at the time and thought it must be an amber but then I tasted it and it was like oh <laughs> now now I know one more Spanish word nice dude I could not believe the the scenes at the World Cup final like the hashtag scenes with the with all the Frenchmen holy shit that was wild. That was unreal. So, oh, we, they, they locked down a pretty cool place, got there a couple hours, and there were two, you know, the French expat group is very tight to it because our, our upstairs neighbor um, is French, works for Uber, a lot of them do, so he's kind of connected. So, But they're a very normal as opposed to a lot of the Americans and Brits that I see, just, I don't, I don't know. There's, there's a weird vibe, a weird vibe to a lot of them, but the French were like normal. Like they're here, like (laughs) they're here with like normal jobs, like, I don't know, stuff like that. So, but then there was two different French groups. There was one that was a little bit more, I don't know, rough, rough around the edges. Um, like Navi Kaita, they were rocking some Tommy Hilfiger apparel and all that, and I, I, I wasn't sure that's okay still. Um, <laughs> but they, like, they, we got exposed to a whole other side of like French culture. Somehow they had a playlist that came on after France had won of nothing but not just French songs where they have weird like dances where they jump on top of each other and carry them and you know hoist them somewhere. <laughs> And then they do Congo lines with certain songs. And then, like, Aretha Franklin came on about 100 times, and they all go crazy about that. So, no, it, it was pretty cool. And then we went to the um, uh, Angel of Independence statue. They're literally throwing baguettes around. Um, <laughs> I think it, uh, I a that. child was, was hit in the head with either a baguette or, or an empty beer can. So I, either way, it wasn't good, but... It was normal. It was tame. Like it wasn't like a drunken mess that you might think it was until we got back to our neighborhood. We tried to usher them into our place, but they wanted to go get food. So rather than like having a party on our balcony, our terrace or whatever, they grabbed this giant boom box, like, I don't know, like massive, like three feet tall speaker. And they wheeled it to this little like cafe and restaurant that's on the corner from where we live and they just started they brought their own six packs they just started drinking like on the street corner of this <laughs> restaurant blasting the exact same playlist that the place had earlier played some more aretha franklin more queen and then some weird french songs that i didn't know of but no it, it was pretty fun and then the the chabby french frenchman showed up like super drunk and, uh, 
I got kind of weird <laughs> blacklisted. So I, so I called it a day, but <laughs> hell of an experience. Scenes. That's yeah, dude. Like I, I guess I wasn't expecting that many like French expats in Mexico City, but it's a maybe the number they were throwing around is about thirty thousand. Wow, that's pretty wild. Maybe, and I don't know if that's big or or small, considering that it's a city of twenty two million. Well, maybe? yeah, but I don't, I don't know. I, I guess I figured like French expats went. I don't know. Elsewhere, I guess. I don't know. Thirty thousand yeah, seems like a still, lot. Yeah, especially because it's concentrated so much in this Guatemala part of the city. Right. That you know, along the main kind of street, and then some of the nicer areas, they all kind of live there. Even in our in our place, we've got a guy that works for the French embassy, and then the guy that lives upstairs, who's French too. So yeah, yeah, they've got, they're doing numbers. Yeah, <laughs> doing numbers. That's a, I don't know. That's pretty cool though. Like, yeah, um, yeah, we were, uh, I don't know. RCB was a very mixed crowd. Like there were a couple of people who really wanted France to win a couple of people who were very anti-France. Um, I think it was an anti-dabbing movement. Um, okay. (laughs) No, I, no, it it was mainly, I think, uh, (laughs) I mean, for me, I, I was I was pulling for Croatia just because Lovren was was still in it, and I mean that would have been amazing yeah. for yeah, that would have been cool. Like and Croatia for, was a good feel good story too. So, yeah. but I the second they put the the French had, I mean, it's easy with their flag, but they had a face paint that you just like smear on you, and you've got very, a flag. So very the second easy. that that came on, I, I I couldn't root for Croatia for fear of being <laughs> tarred and feathered. Well, that's what I mean. There aren't thirty thousand Croatian expats in Mexico City, I don't think. So, um, yeah, I think there were two, and they both showed up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's uh, that's pretty legit. Anyways, well, um, I guess that's that's pretty much. We'll head off head off into the night. Yeah. Two RG after dark. You know. Uh, I don't, I'm, All right. See you, man. Peace.